0: Good to see you. Hopefully within a few minutes you'll adjust to my accent. I'll try to speak a bit slower, otherwise you'll go, what's he talking about? We got married here, 1993, and um, there was um, a little girl, I think related to Barry Brace, and in our wedding vows, um, I said, I promise to be faithful. And she turns around to her mum and said, mummy, what does faithful mean? Because of the accent. And uh, it became a laugh after that. Anyway, it's great to be back. Great to be back. Um, I have not been here for, I think it's three and a half, four years. Jen was back here. It's four and a half for me. You, three and a half. Two and a half for Jen and the boys. So it's exciting. I remember when we were resident in Montevideo. Um, just for some of you who don't know us. Um, I worked at kindercare for close to two and a half, three years with Sandy Hodge and um, Pizza Ranch for a couple of years. My wife used to be a night manager, so we're locals. So if you think we're foreigners, forget it. <laughs> we've served the pizza, we've created new pizzas that didn't exist, my wife did, So, but it's good to be back. Um, it, it's good to see things are moving forward. Just a quick thing on the back of what people have said already before I share what we're doing. Um, change is never easy (laughs) and I'm treading tactfully here but when we were living here years ago we had a bunch of youth and they were passionate about doing something with their lives and it's always a challenge in rural towns where you've got different generations how do you manage that in church life and I don't have all the answers but all that I say is thank you for making room for the young people I remember pushing hard and hard years ago just to make a space for young people to get up and today to see young people worshipping up here with guitars blesses my heart i mean i'm only a few years over 21 myself but it is just you know putting all politics aside at the end of the day when we process things wherever we are in the world there's always going to be tension there's always going to be challenging relationships But at the end of the day, I was meditating. What truth is, is knowing God and truth is discovered through relationship. You know, it's based on the Bible, but if we don't have a relationship, then the truth we think we have is just a mental truth. And and that's what it's at. So always keep making room for young people. Let them move churches into the new generation. I was very saddened to see in Sydney, where we live in Australia, it's um a population of between four and five million people there's this church that we pass on the way to soccer my boys both boys play soccer and uh it's a mosque now it's a mosque islamic mosque and that's only about seven minutes away where we live there was a christian college that um, is uh, where actually Youth With A Mission had an office and they were training a Bible college and they wanted to move to another area to get a different college and it was sold through a realtor. It is now an Islamic college. So I'm not Islamic phobia, but I'm just saying we've got to allow the young people to emerge because there are churches in the world through Europe and Australia, little churches, that never adjusted to the younger generation and eventually they become restaurants or or clothing stores you know and you don't want to see that here so anyway thank you all right i just want to share a few thoughts and um something that's been meaningful to me over the last few years um, through the powerpoint and um, then i'm going to just share a little bit and then show a little three and a half minute clip of what we're doing a little movie and then jen's going to get up and share some thoughts and a little bit of what our boys have been doing. Um, Certain characters in the Bible as you read through, impact you. And I just wanna share the lives of a few characters that often I've thought and thought about and thought, wow, they inspire me. You got Joseph, Daniel, Nehemiah and Esther. They're all people that strike me as being proactive, wanting to to adjust and change to, to impact the world. Then you had Moses, Elijah, and Jonah, who did great things, but very reactive, you know. And then, I think about what opportunities present us daily. Are we being active or inactive? If we go to the next slide, um, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. It's amazing. I'm not going to get in it today. But if you talk about the world, and there's a lot of people who suffer with depression and it's a very common thing, and it's not something strange anymore. Large percentage of, of populations at some stage go through depression. These three characters, they also did. Moses, he gets frustrated at all the things, people coming to him, bringing problems, and he got to the point, it's too much, and his father-in-law you know, gave him some advice. Hey, you gotta put some leaders here to help you. And when he was feeling burnt out in numbers there, He was saying, I'd rather you kill me. He actually said to God, he'd had enough. He'd given up on his life. He felt depressed. Elijah had done amazing miracles. And then Jezebel, some reaction from her. And uh, he prayed that he might die to God. And then you got Jonah, who was going to go to these Assyrians that were barbarians. And I love tracing people groups back to where they came from. And that's who we're reaching out a lot to. Um, they're very alive and well the assyrians today the descendants of, of of that place and, and people group and he figured if i go there and i share god is loving and compassion and these barbarians are going to change and then god will forgive them. he didn't want them forgiven he wanted them wiped off the planet earth and uh, he's feeling down and he also said i'd rather be dead three three scriptures uh, just in these three lives of people feeling like giving up next slide then you get Joseph and Daniel um, the interesting thing i 'm going to tie this in in what we do in a minute Daniel and Joseph were taken to a foreign land against their will in the deportation and Daniel was only seventeen as a young man and um, they were deported after the first Babylonian invasion of Judah about 1605 BC and then You have joseph and you know the story of joseph that what he went through and how they mistreated him his brothers and yet he becomes prime minister and he was in egypt as a refugee basically these guys were refugees in lands basically that were not their own and if you look at daniel his life in iraq Babylon was one of influence, taking on a career as a high-ranking advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar. So he was like a secret servant agent. You know, the king could live in safety for 40 years because of what he did. And then he's asking to go back to build, you know, to do, to do what God's called him and, and look, at, look at what, what he er, emerges as one of the top three officials in the Persian palace. Okay, next one. And then you got Nehemiah, he was in exile, on the border of Iran and Iraq, southwest of Baghdad. Now, a lot of my time, I'm actually seeing Iranians, Iraqians, Afghanis and Sri Lankans. There are a lot of people who are coming into Australia. We have 3,000 about people arriving uh, a week on boats. <laughs> Asylum seekers. And um, that's, you know, just over half the population of Montevideo each week arriving on the northern shores of Australia and fleeing Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan. A lot of Iranians do not like Islam and they do not like their government. And so they come into Australia very open. There was one guy um, some years ago. He was in the immigration detention center. What happens is once they come into Australian waters... Australia can't kick them out because there's UNHCR, United Nations um, Human Rights um, basically Convention, and they have to determine whether they're truly refugees. If they're not, they get deported. If they are, then Australia has a mandatory obligation under this convention to accept them as refugees. And America's part of that convention. So um, he came in. He hated Islam. He became a Christian while he was in immigration detention. He did an external Bible college course. And um, last I heard from him, he was leading a Bible study with 30 other Iranians. You know, none of these guys were Christian, teaching him the Bible. So I kind of put off the politics hat. (laughs) I could easily have strong feelings about where nations are headed and the dangers. You look at London and lots of other nations, but you know what? as Christians we've got a short time here on earth and I think the more that can come to know Jesus the better because it says in Revelation 7 9 that there in heaven will be people from every tribe tongue nation God uses four words he doesn't waste his words um, to make sure no one gets left out everyone needs the chance to hear and if I had a family and there's bombs being flying over my house and the potential of me being locked up in prison because I don't support the government and persecuted, why would I not escape? And some of these guys go through treacherous journeys all the way through the Middle East, down to Malaysia, Indonesia, and then they get on a boat and risk their lives. And there's a lot of boats that never make it to Australia. A lot of boats sink, and there's women and children on those boats. And um, just before I went away, I. I do a lot of um, what I actually do in the immigration detention is um, connect groups for years, bring in church groups. We've got like five or six church groups. They have a church service every morning of the week and in the afternoons, a couple of afternoons a week in the visits area. One other guy who came in, he's a volunteer, he uh, started collecting, some Middle Eastern guys, and it got up to about 100 and 105. Muslims attending church and um the officers in the this center are just looking why are these Muslims attending church they can't understand that but people in their openness and in transition you know are, are, are just listening to jesus so back to this nehemiah was an ex- exile um on the border of iran and iraq southwest of baghdad um, and he took on the role as governor. Um, oh, I mentioned secret service agent for the other one. Sorry, it was Nehemiah. And he wants to go back to Jerusalem to be released from the king. And um, it's like if you rebuild Jerusalem, it's going to be an enemy against us. And the king let him go. And he went back and all that he achieved. And Esther, a Jewish slave girl, you know what happened to her through, with Mordecai's help. They literally saved a whole people group from being slaughtered through genocide. So, I'm just very aware through the the Bible. Um, just one more slide, that God has always looked for people, despite where they are, whether in exile or refugees, and look at what they achieve with bringing people and nations, keeping them from famine, and leading and guiding and directing in a godly way last example is philip he comes along to this ethiopian and um you know he's asking do you understand what you're reading and he's reading Isaiah chapter 53 he says how can i i don't have anyone to explain it to me and he jumps up to the chariot with him explains it to him the guy gets baptized asks himself and goes on his merry way and um, again it was a significant person from a people group that had little knowledge of god so that's what we're about um in a sec i'm just going to show a a little uh movie maker clip of of what we're doing most of my time four days a week i'm with asylum seekers people who've come on boats and um, i do all sorts of stuff i've been connecting them as i said with churches bringing them in i bring community groups in one of the community groups has come in. Um, he's an older man. He, he won an award for, um, and it's like a National Australian Award for his service to, to refugees. And he's now created an agency himself that helps folk get un- um, get employment and housing and, and get set up. And um, he's like nearly 90 he's in his late 80s and he's still going hard and a good friend of mine and so i connect all these community groups and and myself i'm also offering english help to people to to improve their english and i get them to do writing about their stories of what their lives have been like you know what was it like back in their own nations and and what the challenges coming here And one of them, just before I left, I was reading what he wrote and uh, it just touched me. He said, Nigel, when you run these English classes, he said, it's the only thing I kind of hang on because nothing else. um, You know, I feel depressed. And he comes to the class and he said, while you're away, we're going to really miss you. And I I just thought, wow, you know, it's like God spoke to me when I was younger. I want you to be a pastor to the unreached. And that's what I've continued doing. So let's, uh, Jen's going to get up and share in a minute. Just show the DVD if we could. Just back at the start, I think it just has to roll back a bit, Bruce. That's it.
1: Okay. Um, I'm just going to have Jaden read something quick, but before I do that, I'll have each of the boys just. Sit. Sorry, this is falling off. Well, I already broke my glasses, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm Ethan, and I'm 14 years old. I'm halfway, through. I'm halfway through Year 8. So I'll explain school in a minute.
2: I'm Jade, and I'm 12 years old. And you're halfway through? Yeah, grade 7.
1: What was your favourite country that you've been to?
2: Egypt. Why? Because of the sightseeing pyramids and sphinx.
1: your favorite country?
2: Mexico. Why? The people. Okay.
1: Um, Jaden's just going to read, what does that say? Second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven.
2: A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feed the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbours empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the four ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought out the vessels to her, and she poured it in. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full. Then she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay for your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. Thank you. You can
1: go and sit down. You'll just have to forgive me. I'm struggling with a throat infection. We've been traveling a lot in the states. We've been to San Francisco, Duluth, Minneapolis, out to South Dakota, way out on the west side to see my brother and to spend time with my nephews. I was staying up late, and I'm not used to that, so my throat's a bit bit croaky. But um, what I wanted to share was when you see the pictures of asylum seekers. There's a lot of issues about immigration, and I am an Australian citizen. Even though I was born and raised in the United States, I became an immigrant into Australia. I didn't know anyone. You know, Nigel's family live up in Queensland, up north, and I live, we live in Sydney, which is a population of five million people. And apart from the YWAMers, I hadn't even really known them. I was a young mother. And so my way of getting to know people was going for walks. And I met one of my friends at a park. Um, I had both my boys as babies. And she was pregnant with her second baby, and we just struck up a conversation. And on my my walk home, walked past her house, and she said, do you want to come in for a cup of tea? And I don't drink tea, but I said, yeah, I'll come in. And that's a house I had admired on many of my walks. And I thought, I wonder who lives there. And going into her house, realized that she was very much a Hindu, had her Hindu gods everywhere, but that didn't necessarily stop me from being her friend. Um, we've our friendship, you know, has has gone through ebbs and flows. Where her brother died, and I worked with her on a scrapbook to um, help her honor her brother's life through a tragic accident that he had, and in doing that. Um, she would come over and I would have Hillsong worship CDs on and she would turn them off and she'd say, why do you uh, have have the, that music always playing? Why do you always have to talk about God? And I would turn the music back on and I knew that wasn't her speaking I knew that was a, you know, a demonic influence and I just said, sit down and be quiet we have work to do and I just kept playing the music but I don't treat her that way I treat her as a a person and a friend. Another uh, friend I got to know, my boys attend Christian schools. Um, School in Australia starts the end of January and finishes the beginning of December, so we go for 11 weeks, have a two week break, then 10 weeks. Right now they're on their three week school holiday break, and we took six days off of school to be here so they're missing part of their schooling. And then We go back and they'll have nine weeks, then we have a two-week break, then we go back for eight weeks, and then it's our December summer school holidays over December-January. And so I've gotten to know a lot of the families at the school, one friend in particular. She used to be a Muslim and she became a Christian. She now makes um, Arabic Christian CDs, and they've been all over the world, particularly she's quite famous in the Arabic world and when I was in Egypt we were at a YWAM center and I saw her um, CD standing there and I said oh look boys there's Fadya and one of the YWAMers heard me say do you know Fadya and I said yeah I go to her house all the time she's taught me how to cook Lebanese food she says you know her do you know how famous she is and I said well yeah but she's just a friend and um, we're We have them over all the time, and this particular YWAM friend and lady I met in Egypt, she became a Christian through Fadia's music and then joined YWAM. So she had been a Muslim and through Fadia's music, then now is in Youth with a Mission as well, serving in Egypt. And there's just different stories like that, that basically my mission's focus has been that of being a friend to people. I had Jaden read that scripture about Elisha providing a miracle for a single widowed woman. Now, I'm not single and I'm not widowed, but when I was living in Singapore and I was pregnant with Ethan, the pastor in the Singapore church there preached a sermon on the Joshua generation and how that first generation, they knew and they heard and they saw God. They knew who he was. The generation after Joshua did not know who God was. They didn't know the miracles that had been performed in Joshua's generation and then because the second generation walked away from God, they didn't know who he was, they hadn't seen his miracles, then God sent the judges to bring judgment on that generation and basically the point that God was saying to me as a mother about to have her first child, raise your children, not knowing I was having two boys, raise your children to be the Joshua generation. Raised them to know God, to hear Him, to see Him. And the woman that God provided the miracle for, she included her boys in the busyness and the stress of her day. She would have been stressed knowing she wouldn't have enough money. She, would have, she could have easily said, Boys, go outside while I do all this work and God provides the miracle. But she included them in that miracle. And that's what I feel like God has spoken to me and what I've encouraged many other mothers around the world to do is include your children in your daily activities. And in saying all of that, I'm not going to stand here and, and, you know, you see the perfect picture up there of us as a family. We're not the perfect family. We've had our own issues and our own struggles. And I don't believe that's just because, you know, Satan attacks those people in ministry. I don't even believe there's a higher calling in ministry. I believe God calls everyone When you ask Jesus, when you decide to follow him, everyone is called in their area, their sphere of influence. There's not one person above another. And it's not even my ministry, it's not Nigel's ministry, it's not your ministry, and whatever you're involved in. It's Jesus' ministry. It's all about him. It has nothing to do with with us, and we're just along for the journey. But, you know, we've had our fair share of struggles. We've had some things in the last two years we've had to work through. Every marriage has its challenge, and if there's one thing I'd ask for prayer is that our family can continue to grow and get stronger through the challenges because sometimes it's the little things that want to pull you apart. And I would, I would not say standing here also that um, we have it right because we don't. Even in the what God has given me as a strategy as a mother may not be right for you either. And um, I say that humbly because... I think too many times people look at missionaries and think they have it all together. Well, I'm saying we don't. And um, that's not easy to say. But I can also say what the miracles that the boys and I have seen is most of our pictures up here of when we entered the digital age. And so I have pictures of countries that we've been to that were, you know, the old film days. And I quite like the old ways. I like typewriters. I don't like these new computers. I don't know how to work a phone. My phone broke. And I got this one that's uh, Android type one and I was trying to figure it out. And my son, Ethan, he was like, oh, let me show you how to use it. And I was like, don't you roll your eyes at me. I taught you how to use the toilet. (laughs) So, (laughs) he's going to be embarrassed of me for saying, he's going to probably be mad at me. But, I think, if anything, of what I've learned in traveling around the world is I will be very honest with other mothers because I've seen their struggles and I've wept with them. Um, and basically, my point in saying that is there's the Joshua generation. There's children being raised who don't know who God is. And we, I don't believe there's a generational gap. Over the years, I've learned when you have your children, You are just connect. You have just been connected to that generation. If you're a grandfather, my dad is connected to Ethan and Jaden's generation. He's connected to my older nephews and nieces' generation. We're all connected. God doesn't put gaps in our lives. He connects us, and it's up to us to lead the way and and tell stories. But it's also up to us to show them who God is and let them be a part of who God is. I don't try to say, you know, this is the miracle right before you. I want Ethan and Jaden to figure out that miracle. You know, Ethan needed a computer for school and we didn't have the money. And God provided the money for him. And and we said, that's a miracle right there. Um, So in in connecting the generations, that's one of an adult's biggest role is to connect the generation to God. We're not supposed to stand in the way. There's the great commission is to go and disciple all nations and Nigel said it's every tribe tongue and nation and we are to connect the generations to God but what's happening is there's the great omission where children are not being discipled they're not being led into the presence of who God is and you know in the places I've gone to I don't have the pictures up there anymore but um, the Philippines for instance I've seen little changes going back here and there so sorry I'm a bit divergent in my mind right now okay so going back to when I was a child I grew up in North Minneapolis correct okay and I still have very fond memories of there I love the church there I loved the environment where I grew up my memories are different from my brothers and sister because I was the oldest and the church there To me, they had a missions focus where they had a school bus and they would go around and collect children to bring to church. And I know there were times I was on the bus and I would... I remember one time knocking on a door asking a child to come to church and she said, I can't, my mom's asleep. Well, in hindsight, the mother was probably asleep from drugs, who knows, but anyway, I remember saying, well, your mom will never know you're gone. And I tied her shoes and brought her on the bus with me, and then they went home, and I don't know if the mom ever knew. Um, And then another time, you know, just standing at the church waiting for the kids to come. And I remember at that moment in my life, from 5 to 9, knowing my Sunday school teacher would speak about Jesus as if he was alive. And I would sit on the edge of my seat thinking... I, I want to know this Jesus, and that's about the time at seven when I became a Christian. And that was also, I remember when I was a bit older, looking at a world map and thinking, you know, I knew I was called to be a missionary, and God saying to me, you're to be a missionary to children around the world. And I never told anyone because I thought, well, how is that ever going to work? Because you have to live somewhere, and yet through Youth with a Mission and megacities, which is run out of YWAM Perth, They've asked me to go to various places, you know, London and Mexico, um, South Africa, to name a few. And then I keep going back to the Philippines. Basically, there was a strategy involved with that, that God is continuing to work out. And I've become very good friends with the YWAMers there. And the one... There's a couple of stories from the Philippines to share, is you saw me in one of the photos I was teaching some ladies. Basically, what the issue is in the Philippines is when children are raped or, or um, if there's a, been a child sexually abused, they go into these children's homes, boys and girls, there's one for boys, one for girls, and they have to await the court case to decide, they have to stay in there for the safety reasons, because there's a lot of issues with um, you know, going to be threatened to be murdered, and so they have to protect the children and so they're in these homes and so I go in and a lot of times it's just volunteers and they have had no training in the area of children who don't even know what to do or how to minister to them and I'm not putting Catholics down but it is a very Catholic nation and so they're not ministering to the heart of the child and I've held a four-year-old who is severely raped I've you know talked to mums who have had to Release their children into these homes for that time. I have gone into the boys' homes who are awaiting their sentence trial for murder or rape or theft or whatever and treated these boys like they were my own boys and talked to them out of love, not out of condemnation and loving them, showing them what a mother's love is towards them. And that's not always easy, but I allow Ethan and Jaden to go in. I let them see and and hear what's going on and one of the changes i've seen in the philippines is the focus this one particular home where i was speaking in and it was all the women there and there were literally huge rats huge huge rats running around in the kitchen on the floor and i remember teaching and thinking oh god please 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 don't let them run up my leg and ethan and jaden walking in and. And it was all the straight kids there. And Ethan and Jane saying, oh, look how cute. They were thinking they were like gerbils or something. And they wanted to pet them. And the workers there said, no, they'll bite you. And you can get sick. And I, and I said, but aren't they biting the straight kids who are living here? And she, they said, yeah, but they're not our kids. I got very angry. And yes, I yelled. Because I said, how dare you protect my children And I'm here to protect your children, and you do nothing to protect these children. The next year I came back, there's a completely new um, home there. They're no longer in that home. There aren't rats. So that was a positive change. Um, Another thing, I don't have a photograph of South Africa because that was the older photograph style. But sometimes I think God sends us to a place just for one person, And the one person I want to talk about with this is she was a South African. She came to work with us in Sydney. Can I have my water, please, Jaden? And um, she, she went back to South Africa to visit her family. And during that trip, she was raped and conceived a child. And I did a lot of work there with with YWAM. I I do a lot sometimes with Compassion International and World Vision. Um, But I believe God sent me there just for her because she was ashamed. And me loving children so much was like, I can't believe you're gonna be a mother. You're gonna have a baby. And bringing her out of that shame And saying you need to receive this little one and her family as well spending time with her family and in the end she ended up naming her child that meant gift from God and even though I did lots of other work in South Africa to me I was there for her and Ethan and Jaden were so excited to see her because she had babysat them in Sydney occasionally and I said regardless of how this child is born This is a child from God, and you need to love him. And now she's married and and has another child, and she still lives in South Africa. Um, With Vietnam, what I like about there is we were working in an orphanage, and there was children who had special needs, and there was one boy the same size of Ethan. So these children are tied to cots. They're not allowed experiences. They don't get to go outside a lot. Um, they can't crawl. They can't walk. They um, their mentally development is really slow, and so um, uh, Ethan and Jaden were. We would we had the, one of those big balls, and we would roll them on it, and we would play. And there was one boy. He would kept wanting Ethan to carry him, and Ethan, of course, was the same size. So what we did was we put his feet on our feet and we held him up under the shoulders and would walk. And he was laughing and laughing so much because he was so excited that we were there. He couldn't believe there were other children who came to to play with him. And there's other people who who go there as well. Um, But going back to the generations, I think it is important to let the children be discipled and let them lead people into what God has to do. But there also needs to be a connection to the generations who have gone before us too, because they've seen and been through a lot. And I guess the example I have for that is my dad and his sister here. When I came back in 2006, and it was my grandma's 90th birthday, I asked her, what is the one invention out of all the inventions you've seen in those 90 years that you um, have liked the most, I guess, I can't remember exactly what I said. And she said, oh, going from, Pony Express to email. And I I thought, wow, really? I had never thought of it like that. That, you know, you used to have the ponies deliver the mail from place to place, and all of a sudden she could email to another place in the world. And missions has changed a lot, also, because we we don't just get on a boat and go to a country and leave. We can go to so many countries throughout a year now, and we can come back and forward more often than what there used to be. And there's all this technology that we have to help us as well in missions, but there's also just, I think, the standing in God's presence that we need to remain in from generation to generation and allowing God to work through every generation in the way that he he wants to do. Um, But yeah, I can't think of any more Uh, I'll just tie it up with, even though I was born and raised here and going to all these nations, when I stand in other nations and I listen to people, I think God created the whole earth. He didn't create one nation to be more important than another. And I've listened to the Vietnamese in Vietnam about their experiences through the Vietnam War. I've listened to the Mexicans in Mexico City, and I absolutely love that city. Um, I've listened to people in Australia who have journeyed across the oceans. I've listened to children tell me their horror stories of what they've seen to get to Australia. And I think um, that's a lot of what Jesus did as well. He listened to people, and I hope that the chance that the boys and I get to do in going to all these nations, um, that we're at least doing our little part. In all of that.
0: So finishing up, thanks for listening to us. Thank you for supporting us over the years. We'd get back more often but you can imagine just costing. That's the only reason we don't get back until every three or four years. It's a privilege to be back. We've got some sheets of paper up the back uh, where the lamp is. If you want to put your email down, we'd love to send you updates. Um, just to encourage you, be active and not reactive. Don't live in depression and wish that you'd die, but be active and bring the new generation into impacting the world, Montevideo, Minnesota, the States and the world. So bless you. Thank you so much, Bruce. And um, please hang around. We're going to be here for a little bit just to talk. And then we're off on Wednesday morning back to the Twin Cities. So it's a very quick trip through. (laughs)
3: Just appreciate these guys too. Yes, the honesty that Jennifer shared with, and uh, you know that although they are serving the Lord, there's challenges and there's there's uh, roadblocks that get in the way. But we're, we want to just pray for them. And if you could, would you extend your hand to them and just want to pray a blessing over these guys? God, thank you for Nigel and Jennifer, for Ethan, for Jaden. God, for, thank you for this family. And, Lord, we are praying your very best for them. Um, Lord, yes, provision, Lord, financially and resources, but, Lord, also for your grace to be upon them. Every step that they take, every, uh, Lord, every leg of the journey. That there would just be your grace, your peace, touch their marriage, their family, give them strength, oh God, in the days ahead. Lord, thank you for what they're doing. Thank you, God, again for uh, the honor it is for us as a church family, for a church body to support them, to partner with them, to, to, to just see what they are doing. And, uh, and, and so, God, we just thank you for them. We pray your very best for them. Strengthen them, keep them safe. And keep your uh, hand upon them all the days of their lives. God, thank you for Nigel and Jennifer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great day.